Striking the Right Note, a Valdemar series fan fiction, written by Sophie, read by God of Laundry Baskets. Summary, a tale of how Stefan's best friend went from, Steph, stop dating men that are way too old for you, to, let me matchmake you with my uncle, he is just your type. Fettered, imprisoned, and pinioned Wing-clipped by magic, his powerful drained Baltimore's heir is defeated and captive With his companion by Dark Lord in chains Dark Lord of shadows, his fetters is weaving Binds him in darkness as deep as despair Mocks at his anger and laughs at his weeping. Where is your strength now, O Valdemar's Chapter 1 Bardic Collegium was very calm at this time of day. The younger students were either in their rooms practicing, or outside, or letting go after a long day of classes. The older students, allowed to go beyond the college grounds, were in the heart of Haven's public market, setting up for the evening crowd. Medrin was nearly alone in Bardic's vast dining hall, sitting at the end of one of the three long tables there. There were a few more students close by, also slaving away on work. Medrin generally couldn't work efficiently on mathematics or sciences in his room, surrounded by his instruments and other, much more appealing alternatives. He liked to imagine the half-dozen students, also in the dining hall right now, were similarly trying to trick themselves into doing their mathematics homework why they even needed any sort of mathematical knowledge was beyond Medrin. But he wasn't letting something so ridiculous stop him from getting his scarlets and becoming a bard. He was working on a series of triangles that were adamant about giving him a headache when Godfrey and his usual following, Franya and Carith, walked in, making sure they could not be ignored. Medrin did not like Godfrey. He was from a good family, and had taken to make anyone who was not feel inadequate. For all that he was seventeen, two years older than Medrin, the other boy had always been selfish, self-centered, and full of himself. This was why, even though he was old enough that he'd soon be promoted to journeyman, if he got the attention of the teachers, he had been getting passed over for younger students. It made him even crueler than usual. Luckily, Medrin had rapidly developed his father's frame and muscles, and apart from calling Medrin a bastard on a few occasions, Godfrey had kept his distance. Or, rather, had mostly 
kept his distance, as he sat down in front of Medrin, snickering, clearly not there for a friendly exchange on the weather. Hello, Medrin, he said, grinning. Etiquette was the only reason why Medrin looked up from his work and answered with a curt, Good morning, not even bothering to set down his quill. You would not believe who we just ran into, he continued, disregarding Medrin's unfriendly tone. I probably also would not care in the slightest. We saw your little protege at the market. Medrin's blood ran cold. This revelation could in no way be anything else than bad news. Stefan was not yet allowed to leave the grounds during days off, and had already been caught sneaking out a few times. He had been warned about the consequences he would be facing for another such indiscretion, and Medrin thought he'd made it clear that Steph was to share with him his plans when he wished to do anything outside of what was permitted. That way, Medrin could both verify the validity of his plan and play false witness, or open windows if needed. I doubt it was Stefan if it was at the market. I know for a fact that he's currently in our room. Medrin lied deftly anyway, and hoped Steph had realized he'd been seen, so that he'd be back at their room fast enough that Godfrey wouldn't have the time to fetch a teacher. Oh no, it was him, Godfrey insisted, too pleased with himself. Medrin started ordering his papers, stood up, and tucked them under his arm. If you're quite done, I am going to retire to our room also. I think I'm sensing the beginning of a headache. Must be the company. Godfrey glared at him and didn't let Medrin go, navigating around the tables so he could follow him. It was your little street whore, and now he's back to his old ways. You will stop talking now if you know what's good for you, Medrin said between his teeth. Getting a reaction out of Medrin seemed only to excite Godfrey, who smiled widely and added, He must have liked selling his body, because he is letting some older men have their way, the little pervert. I'd be careful if I were you. You might catch his deviance. Medrin let his work fall on the floor, turned around, and punched Godfrey in the face with his left hand. Naturally, protecting his dominant hand, even if it made the hit less efficient. Godfrey yelled and clutched his face. Franya screamed and ran to his side, Olaz Kareth jumped on Medrin in retaliation. Medrin, I don't often see you here, Bard Breda told him after she had treated Kareth and Godfrey. And I certainly never see you because you got into a fight. She slowly started treating him, examining his lips, 
nose, and eyes. She hadn't asked anything, so Medrin thought it fair to stay silent and allow her to work. You won't need a healer, nothing broken, and I don't believe you'll even have a black eye. You ended that tussle in much better shape than your adversaries. Medrin did his best not to smile at this prognosis, and it was only mildly successful. Now, Franya and Karith both said you hit Godfrey first. Do you corroborate this version of facts? Breda looked at him, and Medrin could see, rather plainly, that she was expecting him to deny this, and was ready to believe him. Godfrey was not liked by many, including most teachers at Bardic. Medrin glanced away. Yes, that's right. Breda's eyes widened in surprise. You admit to being the first one to turn the matter to physical? She asked, as if to give him a chance to change his mind about his statement. Yes, Medrin muttered, looking down at his hand. It throbbed a bit shortly after the hit, but did not hurt at all any more. He couldn't have hit Godfrey all that forcefully. Well, since everyone agrees, you will understand that punishment is in order. You will not be allowed to Haven proper for a month, and you will report to the library to help Barjulia every evening this week. You will also have to meet with the school's disciplinary committee. Most likely, this will result in a strike against you. Do it again, and you could be facing expulsion, which is something I do not wish to see happen. Breda looked at him intensely. Is all of this clear? Yes, Bard Breda, Medrin answered, chastised. Now, Breda said, putting down the medical supplies she had been using, this will in no way diminish the severity of the situation. She looked at Medrin pointedly. But I would like to know what Godfrey said to provoke you, if you are willing to share. Medrin tightened his mouth, not unwilling exactly, but unable to recount the whole exchange without telling the bard that Steph had most likely been at the market this afternoon. She mistook the reason of his hesitation and asked, her voice softer, Did he comment on the status of your birth? No, he didn't say anything about me. Breda's eyes lit up in comprehension. Something about your uncle's preference? Medrin's face darkened and he nodded. Although the comment had not been about Vaniel specifically, he knew himself enough that he could tell he had reacted strongly because Godfrey had been insulting both his best friend and uncle. Very well, Breda said. I understand the need to defend the ones you love, but it does not excuse your behavior. Do not let him, or anyone, give rise to your temper like this again. Medrin nodded once more. 
Away with you, young man, and don't forget to report to Bar Julia. Stefan was sitting on his bed, skittish, when Medrin walked into their room. He jumped to his feet, nearly running towards Medrin. What happened to your face? Godfrey, Medrin said before amending his answer. Oh, no, he never did get close enough. It was all Kareth. Did he fight them? You don't even know how to fight. I know how to fight. You should see how they look, Medrin retorted, annoyance creeping in his tone. Steph's expression immediately changed from worried to pained and guilty. I think Godfrey saw me at the market, he said. Yes, he did. I told him it couldn't have been you, as I knew for a fact that you were in our room. Thank you. Even if his story is not enough to report you to someone, he'll make sure to spread gossips about what he saw. Stefan waved his hand dismissive. There are already so many rumors about me. I don't see how this will change much at all. It's never quite the same when the rumors are true. Stefan laughed. As if anything Godfrey spreads around could be remotely close to any truth. And some of those gossips are already true either way. Medrin frowned. Steph wasn't wrong, exactly, but he felt there was a significant difference between rumors that Steph used to be a beggar, which, although true, was only amusing to a certain group of people with whom Medrin would not have wasted his time, and rumors that Steph might be Sayesh. Vaniel, who was very close to being celibate, as well as being the most powerful herald mage in the kingdom, still often fell victim to discrimination and a stream of problems due to his preferences. Steph was frail and young, and had an amazing bardic gift that would be completely useless in a fight, and, most likely, was not on his way to celibacy if he was already going to Haven to meet people. It would have been easier to cover for you if I had known you'd planned to sneak out today, Medrin stated, and raised his eyebrows at Stefan in an attempt to breach the topic slowly, or even to encourage Steph to talk to him first. I might have forgotten, Steph asked, suddenly grinning like a devil. Of course you did. Medrin answered, sitting down on the chair by their desk. Are you sure it isn't because you wanted to conceal why you wished to go to the market? Medrin asked. Maybe that had a minimalistic influence on my decision, Steph shrugged, apparently not bothered by Medrin's line of questioning, even if not quite forecoming. Medrin hesitated and finally chose to be blunt. Godfrey says you were with an older man. Steph opened his mouth and frowned in an incredulous grimace. 
Percival is not old. He is younger than Godfrey. That probably meant this Percival was three or four years older than Steph, which sounded a bit too old to Medrin, but certainly did not qualify as some older man. Honestly, Steph carried on, I have no doubt that Godfrey is jealous because he's strongly encouraged to stay celibate until his wedding night, lest some bastard could put a claim on his family land and properties. As Steph kept talking, Medrin slowly hid his face in his hands. I'm not saying you are wrong, he responded, and you have to trust me when I say I have no issue with it at all. But I really believe that you should be more subtle about being sayish. About being what? Stefan asked, clearly startled. Sayash. It comes from the Taylorist word, sayashurn. Now is not the best time for an entomology lesson, Medrin thought. It means you have a romantic preference for other men. Steph processed the new information and eventually sat down on his bed. So, he said slowly, is it bizarre to be interested in other men and not women? Stefan usually seemed much older than his age, as his time before Bardic had taken its toll on him. Medrin was surprised that he could appear and sound thirteen under certain circumstances. He sighed. Maybe, I don't know, Medrin answered truthfully. What I do know is that you are not alone. My uncle, he trailed off, having made his point. And clearly Percival, he added, smiling. Stefan smirked, and he looked older again. Still, you said some people would have issues with this? Medrin nodded. Why? Stefan asked. I'm not quite sure. Medrin grasped for the right words and felt thoroughly unprepared to be having this conversation. Although I know it's their problem, not yours. If it's their problem, why should I hide? Stefan declared, a hint of arrogance in his voice. This statement set the tone for much of their time at Bardic. Darklot has left them by shadows encumbered, Darshay and Windrider trapped in his gloom, deep in his prisons past hope, past believing. Aaron companion, will this be your tomb? Out of the shadows another draws nearer, out of the twilight steals one furtive light. Shadows dance pain while the light sings despairing, drawn here by Darshay and Wind. 
is blind Chapter 2 Since Stefan had learned that his romantic preferences were not considered the norm two years past, he hadn't once tried to hide them. Romantic preferences, Medrin thought. What a euphemism. They're really sexual preferences. I don't think he has ever seen anyone for more than a month, and most of the men he talks to me about last one night. I've known plenty of people who acted just this way with women, but people would never judge a man for having a string of female conquests, the way Stefan is constantly judged over his nightly activities. Purposely unsubtle, Stefan had made sure said nightly activities were public knowledge, and therefore, often, found himself in the middle of fights. Madrin helped out when he could. The fighting mostly happened outside of the college grounds, and neither they nor their opponents ever admitted what really had happened when they tumbled into the Bardic's infirmary. Everyone knew, of course, but so long as Bardic itself did not act to implement rules that would punish Stefan's tormentors, Steph refused to back down. As such, he kept on fighting, and Medrin never deserted him. Lending Stefan a hand when needed did not, however, mean that Medrin considered everything his friend did to be above reproach. Steph, Medrin hissed, pulling the other teenager by the sleeve of his brown tunic in an empty, unlit room. He had been on his way to one of his composition classes when he'd overheard Stefan's name mentioned by a group of girls gossiping in the halls. About a third of the gossips at Bardic were about Stefan these days, only half of those completely made up. Medrin had developed a true talent at being able to pinpoint the half-truths from the complete lies. "'Are you having an affair with Bardic Jocelyn?' Medrin whispered between his teeth. Steph's immediate grin told Medrin the answer to his question, and he groaned loudly. Medrin had shared that he thought seeing other apprentices was a bad idea when Steph started spending time with Weimer. He accepted that Steph wasn't going to listen to reason by the time Derek and Remfrey rolled by. Then it had been journeymen, which had definitely been a lapse in judgment. However, most of them were rarely in Bardic, instead on the road, and Steffa convinced him that it certainly was not a morally dubious situation at all. They had, after all, no significant influence on Steff's status at Bardic, either good or bad, not to mention that none of them fancied a teaching position and thus would never be in a position of power over Steph. Something, bar Jocelyn, most definitely was. He's one of our teachers, Medrin pointed out rather uselessly, as Stefan was sure to already know. Don't worry, Stefan said calmly. We've discussed the situation. 
We are not romantically involved, so nothing will change in how we conduct ourselves out and about. He simply has his own quarters, which is very convenient. Not to mention, he is a highly skilled lover. Why do you insist on sharing with me information on my peers and now my teachers that I clearly do not wish to know anything about? I barely said anything. And aren't you a bit hypocritical here after everything you told me about Isabel? You do not know, Isabel. The situation was altogether different. Medrin replied. Then, to make sure the topic would be dropped, he remarked, Bard Jocelyn is still our teacher. Furthermore, he's much too old for you. Steph smiled and crossed his arms over his chest. He is very young for a teacher. We are merely nine years apart. Merely, Medrin repeated, unamused. Stefan shuffled, shaking his head. I've seen the way you look at Bard Sara, and she has to be fifteen years older than you are. Medrin blushed. She is very attractive, Medrin admitted. But it doesn't mean I would try to initiate a relationship. It wouldn't be appropriate. You should, Stefan offered. I should not. With your chest and your arms? Stefan argued, waving at Medrin's body and pointing vaguely. You most definitely should. I have a hard time imagining her turning you away. You are insane. Stefan laughed, unaffected by his friend's disarray. I'm the one having a much better time at Bardic, between the two of us. You should follow my lead. Did you at least verify if this could have any consequences? There are no rules that could apply to our current situation, Stefan assured Medrin, but something in his voice made Medrin doubt the sincerity of his statement. Medrin hadn't been wrong. Stefan, being a bard in training, was skilled at playing with words and making them bow to his will. The rules about affairs between students and teachers did exist, but they were worded in such a way that they did not technically include relationships between two people of the same gender. When Stefan's affair with Bard Jocelyn became public, Stefan was called up to appear before the College Ethics Committee. Medrin was more worried about the possible outcome than Stefan himself. There's nothing to worry about, Stefan promised. I know I'm right. He went in front of the committee and espoused his points, and they were forced to acknowledge that Stefan was, indeed, correct in his reading of their own rules and regulations. I think Bard Breda was amused. Steph said during his retelling of the whole thing. I'm sure she smiled at me when she knew no one else was looking. Medrin lay on his bed, shaking his head in disbelief. Alas, Steph continued, his tone now comically dramatic. 
they warned that they would be changing their regulations to include same-sex arrangements, and that Jocelyn and I were expected to see seeing each other. I can't believe you, Medrin mumbled from his bed. This could have gone so wrong. You need to consider the possible outcomes of your actions better. True to his word, Stefan had listened to him. He had considered the possible outcomes of starting an affair with a recently married Viscount and decided that the good outweighed the bad. Medrin, tired of playing the role of both Stefan's guardian and moral compass, had finally abandoned his delusions that he would one day convince Steph to stop making wretched choices concerning his love affairs. How do we make sure no one finds out about this? Medrin asked, resigned, after a particularly elaborate tirade about the Viscount's many qualities and extremely deep pockets. It won't be very complicated at all, Stefan assured him. He's the one taking precautions so we won't be discovered. I won't ever stay over during the night, because there's no way to make this completely safe, and we'll only meet at a small apartment that his wife knows nothing about, while she thinks he's working. I'll never be out after hours, and I'll never be at his main residence. Medrin couldn't hide that he was impressed by the arrangement. That is awfully convenient, he commented. Stefan smiled, pleased. I haven't told you the best part yet. We met at that ball, where the best apprentices were invited to perform. Yes. I was there, Medrin said. How could I forget when you decided to bring that ridiculously oversized bassinello? It was a cornemuse, Medrin answered, grimming at Steph's annoyance. It had been a great event. You're just jealous because I garnered more attention than you with it. You did not! Tell that to the three offers I received for a permanent post once I graduate, Medrin teased. I'm not graduating for probably five years. Why would anyone offer me anything yet? And we're talking about my love life? How did this become about your future employment? Medrin chuckled. Right, so you met your Viscount at that ball. Stefan squinted, mock-annoyed. He came up to talk to me and said it was because he had never seen a twelve-string guitar. Not as popular as a cornemuse, Medrin butted in. Shut up a minute, will you? The truth was that he had heard about me already because of my somewhat risque reputation. Stefan continued, obviously proud of himself and content about the outcome. So, he thinks I should keep on seeing other people more publicly. That way, no one will wonder why I'm suddenly celibate and who I must be seeing in secret. Medrin frowned, startled. Oh, wow, he said sincere. 
That's incredibly convenient. How do things like this even happen to you? They don't just happen to me. I make them happen, Steph answered cockily. Uh-huh. So, how old is he? He's not old at all, Steph answered. Twenty-six or twenty-seven? Careful, Metron warned. Should the trend continue, you'll soon find yourself with someone who is twice your age. By the time his affair with the Viscount ended, Stefan owned some new pieces of jewelry, which were nice enough, but above all, he had obtained several rare instruments from his lover. Many of those were not even available in Bardic. A rosewood, eight-string guitar, an ebony lute, a large wind instrument from Kars that undulated like a snake and was clearly meant to be played along some other instruments, but was amusing to try, and a miniature portable organ. The relationship ended without scandal, thank heavens, and Stefan couldn't or wouldn't tell Medrin why it was ending at all. He did not seem sad about it, so Medrin didn't press. I'm disappointed that you didn't have time to get one of those bowed stringed instruments from the east, Medrin complained. I really wanted to try one. I think it's your turn to pull your weight, Stuff said, absently tuning the ebony lute. Maybe find yourself a marchioness, he suggested. Medrin woke to the sound of Stefan stumbling through the window. He groaned and blinked a few times. It was the dead of night outside, much later for Steph to come back from one of his trice. Whoops, Steph said, much too loud, falling over the edge of the window. Shh, Medrin mumbled, turning away from Stefan and half hiding under his blankets. Steph giggled, but Medrin didn't hear him stand up to get to his bed. When it had been at least a few minutes, Medrin sighed and asked, Is everything okay over there? Steph let out a plaintive noise. I think I'll sleep on the floor, he slurred. I guess this means no, Medrin thought. Would it be terrible to leave him to sleep on the floor? He's certainly seen worse. He doesn't sound hurt at all, just like he had one drink too many. He swore under his breath and rolled on his bed to sit with his legs over its edge. I'm being a great friend, he mumbled to himself to increase his motivation before standing up. He knelt on the floor next to Stefan and grabbed his shoulder, shaking slightly. Don't sleep on the floor. Wake up, he said. Move to your bed and I'll get you water from down the hall. Stefan moaned but reached for Medrin's hand and let his friend help him up. How did you manage to find the right window? Medrin wondered aloud, astonished. Instincts. Stefan answered slowly as he fell on his bed. Medrin left him 
eventually coming back with a pint of water. Stefan had moved slightly, pulling his hanging limbs up so that he was fully on the bed. Medrin shook his head and sat next to him, putting the glass down on the small table by Steph's bed. Water, he said. Steph nodded in his pillow and rolled on the side, slowly moving into a sitting position, supported by Medrin's body. How did you end up such a mess? What were you drinking? Because this did not look like the effects of wine or ale. It de V, Stefan answered, halfway through the pint of water. The glass started tipping in his hand, and Medrin took it, placing it back down. He just kept on buying, Steph explained. You have to say no when you've had enough, Medrin said, a bit patronizing, but he doubted Steph would be able to tell. He was so gorgeous, Steph argued. Even when he's gorgeous. Steph turned towards Medrin and buried his head in Medrin's chest. He looked so much like you, Steph let out half-whispering. Medrin froze, eyes wide. Stefan fisted his hands in Medrin's loose nightshirt and pulled himself up, clearly angling for a kiss. Medrin put his arms in the way quickly, holding Stefan at a safe distance. No, he said firmly. Steph released his shirt. All right, he said, letting himself fall on his bed. He started snoring softly, nearly straight away. Medrin moved back to his bed, but sleep didn't come from many candle marks. Medrin was again awoken by Stefan a few hours later, when Steph swore loudly as he tried standing up. When Medrin was himself sufficiently alert to pay attention to his surroundings, he saw Steph sitting on his bed, holding his head in his hands. Drink the water next to your bed, Medrin ordered. Steph obeyed silently, and, once done, curled up on his side in his bed. We have class, Medrin called over. I'm too sick for class, Stefan grumbled. You are too hungover for class, Medrin corrected, taking Stefan's covers and throwing them on his own bed. But you're going to get up and go anyway. You are a cruel friend, Steph whined, a short while later, although he still looked how Medrin guessed he must be feeling. He was dressed and as ready for the day as he could be. We'll find you something to eat in the dining hall. Before we go, Stefan started and trailed off. Medrin looked at him and waited. When I returned last night, I was very drunk when I propositioned you. I know, Medrin said, surprised that Stefan remembered anything from a few hours ago. I've always found you very attractive, Stefan carried on, his tone lighter. 
but I'm not looking for anything to happen between us. Medrin nodded. I'm not your type, he affirmed. Stefan looked torn. That's not... You are, but that doesn't mean... Lies and slander, Medrin interrupted dramatically. I am ten years too young to be your type. Now let's get food before everything has been claimed by the others. Power to shatter their curses at last Power that also could free the sad captives Power to break the bonds holding them fast Heart speaks to heart in the depth of the darkness Grief calls to grief and they falter afraid Why should they sacrifice all for these strangers? Then new compassion sends them on to aid. Chapter 3 Medrin's uncle was an extremely busy man, and Medrin understood that. When he had been twelve and had caught Vaniel's attention because of the bardic gift, he'd expected never to see him again, and was grateful for having had even that much interaction. However, Vaniel had kept an interest to Medrin's surprise, and visited Medrin as often as his position permitted him to do so, even if that didn't amount to much at all. When he couldn't visit, he would write a few times a year, nearly as much as Medrin's mother it was a pleasant surprise when Vaniel came to Bardic to see him be promoted from apprentice to journeyman. Although promotions could happen at any time if needed, most of them happened at the autumn equinox, and the college organized a small ceremony every year where friends and families were invited. Medrin and seven other apprentices, as well as five journeymen, were to be promoted this season. Medrin had written to his mother about it, but she took her duties as Linus Bears very seriously, and had responded that she would, instead, take the necessary time to see him when he made the jump to Bard, if that was all right with him. And it was. Becoming a journeyman was a big deal to some, but not to Medrin. Vaniel arrived at the last moment possible, and Medrin understood his purpose when he sat at the very back without being seen. By the time people had recognized him, Bart Issa was a few minutes into the welcoming speech, and no one could make a big fuss about Vaniel's presence. The new journeymen were briefly introduced, their name, as well as the name of their parents, or their place of provenance being the only information provided, and all walked to the front at the same time. They were congratulated and handed a neatly folded red-brown tunic that they would be allowed to start wearing after the end of the ceremony, along with their favorite instrument. Many students did not have the funds to buy any instruments at all and strictly used the colleges while they were apprentices. During their travels as journeymen, though, they would need instruments of their own, 
hence the college's graduation gift. Medrin had forsaken originality in favor of ease and familiarity, and declared the loot as his. Medrin saw Vaniel clap and smile at him when the new journeymen were promoted off the stage, and then had to sit and wait for every single new bard to be introduced in detail, each taking twice as long to promote than all of the journeymen together. After the ceremony, Vaniel approached Bard Breda. Their conversation lasted long enough that most people had left the hall, and only then did he approach Medrin. Medrin grinned and took the hint to walk towards his uncle, too. They embraced awkwardly, as Medrin still had his new lute in one hand and the journeyman tunic in the other. Congratulations, Vaniel said heartily. Thank you. I didn't know you would be here. I didn't know either, Vaniel explained. That's why I didn't tell you anything. I didn't want you to expect me when I might have been pulled away. I would have understood. I know. Vaniel's eyes became distant the way every herald's did when they were mind-speaking with someone. Let's go outside if it's all the same for you. Vandy's is complaining that she has been waiting outside without company for long enough. Vaniel was only able to stay for an hour before being called away by the king. He apologized profusely before rushing off. Medrin didn't mind. He was content that his uncle had managed to show up at all. On his return to his room, he intruded on Stefan practicing a tune that Medrin knew only too well. It was a song about Vaniel that had become incredibly popular in the last few weeks, spreading like hellfire and played by the minstrels in taverns all over Haven, probably all over the entire kingdom. Good gods, are you playing Shadowstalker? Stefan jumped and tried to hide his loot. He aborted the movement when he realized that there was no point to it and that he didn't have anywhere to hide a loot at arm's length. It's a good song, Medrin's friend said defensively. It's a ludicrous song. It has two sets of chords that are repeated over and over, which make it a splendid tavern song, I suppose. And the lyrics are full of the most insulting euphemisms and metaphors I have ever heard. Stefan glared at Medrin. You are at Bardic. Metaphors and euphemisms are what we do. I know Harold Vaniel did not literally sing back to the singer of the shadows, but it was an homage from the writer to the fact that he can sing, and that playing music is one of his oldest interests. They say he would have gone to Bardic if it hadn't been for his duty. He wouldn't have gone to Bardic, Medrin answered, deeply annoyed, and not quite sure how this had turned into an argument so quickly. He only had the musicianship before the night he was chosen, and I don't mind about that. I mind that Vaniel apparently defeated the singer because he saw through her disguise, and that Vaniel looked within him and saw that her song were lies. He looked straight at her, and he saw that she was a woman, plain as day, 
and her seduction attempts were wasted on him. She might have done better if she had offered him something else other than herself. They stared at each other for a moment, until the corner of Stefan's lip started twitching up, and then he started laughing loudly. He tried to control himself twice, but the laughter only came back stronger than before. What? Medrin asked when it looked like Steph might be able to talk again. Great gods, Medrin! Are you a fan of the great herald mage Vaniel Demon's Vein? How do you even know all of this? Medrin stayed silent, dumbfounded, as it hit him that Stefan did not know that Vaniel was his uncle. It wasn't, by any means, a well-known fact in Bardic. Medrin never talked about his uncle much at all, and the teachers certainly never brought up their students' families. Everyone knew Medrin was a bastard, which was the juicy part of his birth, but not exactly whose bastard he was, especially since his father wasn't an important noble or one residing in Haven or in the vicinity. Still, Medrin had assumed Stefan had known, somehow. Is that why you only just got back from the ceremony? Stefan pressed on when Medrin didn't speak up. Did you stay and gawk? He certainly cuts a fine figure, but even I only caught a few glimpses of him, and I don't pretend to be subtle. What, pray tell, is your excuse? Medrin blushed furiously at this admission, suddenly aware that there were no more ways of telling Stefan about his and Vaniel's connection without it being incredibly awkward. He would still have to tell him, of course, but he certainly didn't wish to right now. He should have seen it coming, though. His uncle fit Stefan's type perfectly. He was more than twice Steph's age, was very good-looking in a somewhat delicate way, and he was extremely powerful. And Stefan was, without a doubt, very attracted to power. Or did you change your mind about your non-attraction to men because of him? Because I wouldn't hold it against you, Stefan continued, misreading the reason why Medrin was now completely red. I propositioned him, Medrin blurted, saying the first thing that came to his mind. What? Just now? Stefan huffed. I wasn't being serious, but now I'm slightly offended that you turned me down so derisively two years ago. You were too drunk to stand up by yourself, Medrin reminded him. And no, not just now. When I was twelve, I offered to go to bed with him if he would teach me music. Stefan made a disgusted face. He would never sleep with a child. He's too honorable for that, Stefan said. Not to mention that he's a thought censor, so he would have to be a special brand of evil to do anything with anyone who wasn't enthusiastic about the idea. It was telling that between asking Medrin about what he meant and defending Vaniel, Steph's first instinct was to choose the latter. 
Stefan's hero worship of Van, or whatever that was, was more important than what Medrin would have expected. Stefan shook his head, coming back to the topic at hand. But no matter, did you really meet him, or are you mocking me? I can't tell. I usually can. No, no, I'm serious. I met him... Medrin trailed off, wondering how to bring up, and he's my uncle, fluidly in this conversation. How did that happen? I thought you lived far from Haven, somewhere near the western border? Oh! Stefan said, having just deduced the answer to his own question. You're from around Linus Bars, aren't you? Harold Baniel would have been there during the political tensions around the Deverins. Stefan had just given Medrin a splendid opening, and Medrin took it. He nodded and said, I'm from Forest Reach. Stefan's eyes widened. He knew Medrin's father was a noble, and was clearly making some connections already. My father is Mikkel Ashkervan, Medrin specified. The current heir to the title? Stefan's mouth slowly fell open, and his face became intensely red, and then he whitened considerably. Harold Mage Vaniel Ashcravon is the Shash uncle you sometimes tell me about? he asked, sounding a bit weak. I probably should have told you earlier, Medrin answered. Steph let himself fall back on his bed and partly hid his face in his hands. Yes! Any time before I told you I wanted to bed him would have been great! Gods, this is mortifying! You've told me things that were much racier than you finding my uncle attractive, Medrin pointed out. He didn't mind Stefan being interested in Vaniel very much, he found. In fact, Medrin reflected, they might make a good pair. Uncle Van hadn't had anyone in his life for so long, or if he had, it wasn't significant enough that I heard about it. He's not cold, but he seems to be very alone all the time. Stuff might loosen him up a bit. Plus, even though it wouldn't last long, I don't think either one of them would get hurt. If Steph and Vaniel ever met, and something grew out of it, either Steph would be influenced by Vaniel and be temporarily more focused, or Van would be the one to learn to be more relaxed about relationships. I'm not talking about any of your family members anymore, Steph declared. Now give me your new loot. I want to try it out. Medrin laughed and handed him the loot, which had to be of lesser quality than most of Stefan's instruments. He watched Steph tune it from the corner of his eye as he unfolded his new tunic and changed. I should at least try to get them in the same room and see what happens from there. In shadow she weeps as she dances Dancing on making the shadow-born bands 
Chapter 4 Stefan and Vaniel had left Haven for Forest Reach, most definitely not together, and Medrin was slowly accepting that they would remain just friends. This situation wasn't necessarily bad, but he'd spent a lot of time planning how to get them to interact. Vaniel had seemed more open lately, and Steph was completely besotted, so he'd been hopeful. And then, of course, they came back not only together, but life-bonded. You're what? Life-bonded, Stefan repeated, grinning like a fool. How is that even possible? He's already been life-bonded. Everyone only has one life-bonded in the world, and most of us will never meet them. Stefan shrugged, undeterred. We don't know that for sure, he countered. Once you're life-bonded, you don't exactly keep on looking for someone, so who knows if someone could have two life-bonded at the same time. And Van... Stefan's voice became low and sad, his face serious. Nothing about Van is normal anyway. He should have died when Tilanel did. I guess, Medrin said. This is still crazy. I'm going to need time to process it, I think. Stefan nodded. I think I should feel the same, but it seems natural instead. Like it was supposed to happen, and so it did. It explains a lot of what I've been feeling about Van. Medrin remembered the way that Steph had lost interest in other lovers after he and Van had started spending time together. He had to admit that, yes, the situation made more sense now. Medrin often went to Bardic's stables to spend time with the horses these days. He still did some work towards being awarded his scarlets, but he had already completed the requirements. The real reason why he wasn't yet a bard was because of the fuss around Steph's promotion. In short, he wasn't as motivated to work on his music as he could be, and spending time outside was much more appealing. He was on his way to the stables when he saw Vaniel waving at him, his companion walking by his side. "'Are you looking for Steph?' Madrin asked. No, no, Vaniel answered, shaking his head. He's with the king, and for once I don't need to be. I thought I would take the chance to spend more time with my favorite nephew. But were you going somewhere? Madrin smiled. Just to the stables. I haven't been maintaining my equestrian skills recently. I've walked plenty as a journeyman, 
but good riding horses are scarce in the farmland. Do you want to join me? He asked Vaniel. Then he realized he was keeping Yufandas out of the conversation, and so turned towards her and added, You are welcome to join us also, of course, Lady Yufandas. She shook her head and made an indignant sound. I know, I know, Madrin answered. But it took me years to stop calling Van, my lord, so you'll have to give me a bit longer still. Yfandas moved closer to Medrin to nudge his shoulder with her nose. She says we should go before she changes her mind about the exercise. Yfandas nudged Vaniel and must have told him something because he laughed. It won't be much of it. Medrin promised her as he started walking. We'll have to move rather slowly if we're to talk. Medrin didn't have his own horse, but he often rode with Starsky, a black mare who had been in the stables since Medrin had arrived at Bardic eight years ago. She couldn't go very fast on long distances anymore, so she never left the college grounds. Medrin gave her the chance to exercise when he had the time. Before leaving, Medrin told the stable boy approximately when to expect them back. They rode fast at first, until Star Sky showed signs of being tired. Then they rode slowly, next to each other. I had ulterior motives about coming to see you today, Faniel said, by way of opening the conversation. It wasn't just for my company, Medrin teased. It was, Vanya answered quickly. But there's... There's something I need to talk to you about, he continued, very serious and clearly nervous. Medrin felt himself grow worried instantly. Was there something wrong with his mother, the king, Vanya himself? He was racking his brain, trying to figure out what was more likely when Vaniel kept on going. I... Stefan and I... Oh, Medrin realized, not worried anymore. Does he really think that Stefan wouldn't have told me that they were together? Why would he be so nervous about telling me something like this? Although... I guess his reaction isn't hard to understand. He's my uncle, and he's life-bonded to my best friend. He doesn't know everything I know about Steph's love life, or that I played a part in getting them together. In forced reach, Daniel tried again, more sure of himself, Steph and I became lovers. And his uncle looked so miserable Medrin couldn't stop himself from playing with him. What? he exclaimed, his tone too dramatic to be believable, not that Vaniel would be able to tell in his current state of mind. He's my best friend! Vaniel winced. I know, and I'm sorry. He's... I never wanted to meddle with your life, but I'm not sorry I met him. He's half your age, Medrin continued. He's younger than me. Yes, he is. I try, 
I, I swear, I tried to stay away, but... Medrin, we're life-bonded. Daniel looked so serious and afraid that Medrin cracked and started laughing. Medrin? Great gods, man! Did you really think I didn't know already? Steph has been telling me about... He interrupted himself before he could start talking about Stefan's sex life, which would have been very inappropriate in the situation. Steph is my best friend. He tells me when he becomes life-bonded to someone. It only happens once in someone's life, if that. He paused. Except for you? Vaniel shook his head. I can't explain it any more than you can. But it's good, right? Faniel grinned. Yes. And you don't have to be afraid that it puts him in harm's way, because he'll know to run away if faced with danger. He's not a herald. Vaniel chuckled. He told me the same thing. Medrin shook his head. I can't believe you really did talk about this. It must have been a romantic conversation. Oh, now! I won't let my nephew tease me in this fashion. It's too late for that, Madrin replied. They both laughed, and Yfandus shook her head and said something that made Vaniel laugh even louder. After they had calmed down, Vaniel said, I'm hearing talks that you'll soon be promoted. Madrin shook his head. It won't be right away. They're waiting for the dust to settle around Steph, and it's taking longer than they thought it would. Faniel winced. I'm sorry. It's my fault. What? How would it be your fault? I'm the one who introduced him to Randall. No. Faniel opened his mouth to answer again, and Medrin shook his head. No! he repeated emphatically. He's helping the king, which is of his own doing, not yours. And Shivari was the one who insisted that he was to make the jump to Bard if he was going to work in the court. If anything, it was your duty to make all of this happen. Medrin paused. You feel guilty about the most bizarre things. You should work on that. Nifanda's body language changed, indicating that she was talking to Vaniel, and Vaniel eventually sighed loudly. Yes, all right. If you are going to gang up on me like this, I guess it might mean you're right. Yes, we are, Medrin said lightly, and I'm not that eager to have my scarlets. With everything happening in Haven, I don't think I would leave right away, and as long as I'm a journeyman, I can stay at Bardic free of charge while having access to one of the biggest libraries in the kingdom. Not to mention, I can use the stables whenever I want. Do you often go riding? I try. I'm getting used to it again, really, now that Steph is busy so often. He used to complain that I was abandoning him whenever I wanted to go, 
Do you know? Oh, I guess you must know now, with the travel to Forest Reach, that Steph can't ride at all. He is completely useless at it, and he won't practice, so I can't see him becoming any better. Vaniel suddenly looked away. Yafandis snickered, and they stayed in complete silence for a few seconds until Vaniel muttered, Shut up, horse, while blushing furiously. Medrin didn't need to be told what had just happened, and he felt himself flush in return. Lady Yafandis, did you just... Yafandis bobbed her head proudly. Steph must love you with that dirty brain of yours, Medrin told her, not feeling the blush fade away. He does. I'm spending half my time disappointed that Steph can't understand her enough to sustain a discussion, and half of it relieved that it means that at least they can't spend too much of their time pestering me relentlessly. When Medrin came back to his room later in the evening, he was only half surprised to see Stefan there. "'Where were you?' he asked. "'I had the worst day, and I couldn't find you or Vaniel.' "'We were together,' Medrin answered. "'We went riding.' "'Of course you did. I still don't understand how anyone could spend time on horseback for fun.' He paused and grinned. There are other kinds of riding that are much better ways to use one's time. Medrin grimaced. You and Yafandi, I swear. You do know that you can't keep on sharing your love life with me now that your love life involves my uncle, right? He asked, hopeful. Stefan laughed. Medrin could only groan and hide his face behind his hands in defeat. The End It was just a week to Sauvin, and the nights were turning chill, and the battle turned to stalemate, double bluff and faint and drill, and a shadow drifted northward, just a shadow, nothing more. No one noticed that the shadows grew all darker than before no one noticed while the shadows seemed to creep into the heart but from then the fight for freedom seemed a fool's quest from the start all the hopes that they had cherished seem unreasoned and naive nothing worth the strength to pray for or to strive for or believe and the shadows stole the sunlight from the brightest autumn day as they sang a song of bleakness that touched every heart that heard as they whispered words of hopelessness all courage fled away and they wove a smothering blanket over all that lived and stirred Harold Banyu came upon them and he sensed a subtle wrong and there was some magic working deeply hidden yes but strong and it moved and worked in secret like a poison in the vein 
Like a poison meant to weaken, this was magic meant to drain. Harold Vaniel saw the shadows, and they turned their wiles on him. For one moment, even he began to feel his spirit dim. But he saw their secret evil, and he swore ere he was done. He would stalk and slay these shadows and destroy them one by one. Harold Vaniel's shadow stalker hunted shadows to their doom. They turned all their powers upon him, turned away from other men. And although they strove to take him, he unwove their web of gloom. So the shadows fled his anger, their creator sought again. Vaniel faced the singer who had sung them into life And she sang to him of grief and loss that cut him like a knife And she sang to him of self-hate and she wove a net of pain With her songs of woe and hopelessness bent to be Vaniel's bane So now what is there to strive for was the song she sang to him And the shadow came upon his heart, the world grew grey and dim But the singer of the shadow did not know the foe she fought nor how dear he held his duty, nor by what pain her power was bought. Harold Vanya looked upon her, and he saw through her disguise, and she strove then to seduce him into death or madness sweet. Harold Vanya looked within him, and he saw her songs were lies, and he gathered up his magic then, her powers to defeat. Vanyal raised his golden voice and sang of life and light Of the first cry of a baby, of the silver stars at night Harold Vanyal sang of wisdom, sang of courage, sang of love Of the earth's sweet soil beneath him, of the vaulting sky above Sang of healing, sang of growing, sang of joy and hope and dreams And the singer of the shadows felt the death of all her schemes It was then she tried to flee him, but his song and magic spell Struck her down and held her pinioned, and she faltered, and she fell. Then the singer of the shadows saw her shadow shatter there, saw her lies unmade before her, saw her darkness turn to day, and how hunty and how petty was the spirit then laid bare, like her shadows then she shattered, and in silence 